because I believe that human species, 3D, 3D species that we are, we need to communicate in 3D. We need to one day to stop, you know, exchanging through 2D medium, through, you know, uh, even, you know, thinking of in 3D and sharing it with someone else uh, and being stopped by a screen is kind of weird. So in, in my mind, so this is why I, I truly believe that this transformation needs to happen. Hello, 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 and a big bonjour. Welcome to episode 70 of the Afternoon Tea Podcast, where we chat with the founders of Canada's most interesting and successful companies. I'm Chris Hobbs, president and co-founder of TTT Studios, a Canadian software innovation studio headquartered here in beautiful Vancouver. My favorite part of this job is meeting, chatting, and learning from some of the most fantastic founders from all across our great nation. We've had some great guests in season five, kicking the season off with Grammarly founder Max Litvin. Next week, we've got Steve Irvin of Integrate AI. But right now, I'm so excited about today's chat with Harold Doomer of OVA. And as part of our Canadian Startups We Love segment, we'll check in and learn a little bit about VSW, aka Vancouver Startup Week, from the co-chairs and friends of mine, Caddy Wang and Vivian Chan. Don't forget to like, subscribe, or do all these things our we podcasters love. But now, let's introduce the Harold Doomer as he chats about sending Elton John's This Train Don't Stop Anymore to the top of the charts. How about he sees the metaverse evolving and the difference between ethical and unethical immersive experiences. So in 2014, Harold Doomer founded OVA, a Quebec-based pioneer in AI-enabled immersive software development. OVA works with industry leaders around the globe who are looking to transform their business with spatial and immersive computing, artificial intelligence, augmented reality, mixed reality, and virtual reality. OVA's content creation platform, StellarX, is a powerful tool designed for non-programmers to develop their own 3D environments in VR or on a computer and through simple grab and drop creation requiring no coding. Think WordPress for VR with a Minecraft inspiration. On top of this, Harold sits on the board of the Musée de la Civilisation. Harold, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, thanks for the invite. Oh. Really, really happy to be here today and to talk uh, more about Metaverse and what we have been doing for the past nine years. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, I asked uh, a good friend, Bertrand Nepfo, who I should talk to in Quebec, and he instantly said, you, you're the top of the list. Why do you think he suggested you? Oh, uh, great question. And, uh, you know, Bertrand and I, uh, relation goes back to uh, 2014, so nine years in. Uh, mm -hmm. We have traveled a lot together from mm -hmm. L.A. to New York and Montreal, obviously. Mm -hmm. So meeting him through, you know, the, the hustle of being an entrepreneur, the day-to-day mm -hmm. hustle, and to sometimes, you know, the struggle. So it's a lot of up yeah. and down. And mm -hmm. then to his recent exit, I mean, not so recent now, 2017. <laughs> Days goes by so fast. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I've been always around him and he always been a, a kind of example to me because making a, a VR headset, that was his company doing. It was kind of our, you know, there was Microsoft, HTC, Meta, huge competition. So uh, I was always like seeing him as an example of someone that, keep his focus, whatever the competition, even if it's super strong until, you know, he, he won that big prize uh, in Las Vegas where uh, he was voted as one of the best hardware for VR and, and mm -hmm. also was doing mixed reality. So yeah, yeah. that's oh, very cool. Well, well, tell me about the creation story of OFA. So yeah, uh, it was a cold winter. Uh, I was uh, not finding any jobs. So uh, I decided to start my own. 
And uh, before that, I used to be a small time actor. I, I put, you know, uh, Elton John on the number one of Music Plus top 10. Uh, I, that was when I was at the high school. And also I was mm -hmm. acting some Dreamcast uh, video games and putting them on public FTP. So okay. always love, you know, acting stuff. And when I first discovered virtual reality, it was also another time to fall in love with something that was just, you know, so new and that needs some actors to create something on top of it. And the thing is, we met Lockheed Martin, which is better known for creating the F-35, which is mm -hmm. a fighter jet. And they asked us, you know, when I say us, we were only three of us. And now OVA is 37 people. And they, they asked us, like, can you do a virtual reality submarine? And this mm -hmm. is when we say yes to that question. And we told them, come back, see us in three months. Mm -hmm. But, you know, three months goes by really fast and we discovered it was really hard to create VR, much more harder than what we thought. Mm -hmm. And you need to be good in programming, good in 3D modeling. Mm -hmm. So this is why the idea of creating StatorX was created. We, we thought about good old days playing Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2, where there was oh, yeah. a skate park editor. So you mm -hmm. can quickly, you know, after that, ride into it with Tony or Ronnie Mullen, which were a pro skater of that time. So was, we told ourselves, like there is WordPress, there is now Webflow, Square, uh, whatever for the Web 2.0. What will be that tool of the Web 3.0? What will mm -hmm. be the one that will help in democratization of that paradigm shift? So StatorX was born by then with that first meeting with Lockheed and this, you know, sales pitch that we'll do it in three months, which we did. But uh, with, again, a lot of that struggle part. After the hustle, you need to deliver. So uh, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. we did deliver, but the idea of creating that toolkit was born. Wow, that's so interesting. I mean, and, and, and amazing that your your first customer is a, you know, such an elite blue chip one, like, like yeah. Lockheed Martin. <laughs> uh, you know, you don't, you don't hear that so often, especially on, on, on the Canadian side, you know, uh, where, yeah. you know, I guess we're part of the five eyes and definitely part of the security, uh, you know, regiment of uh, that would be recognized. But that's, that's, that's really impressive. And, I, and I'm so glad you said that, uh, you know, you didn't just say Tony Hawk, because I was Rodney Mullen every single time. So there's, there's oh, yeah. you know, he was, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a, exactly. It's street skating, you know. So, uh, so I, I, I definitely, definitely appreciate that. Well, well, tell me a little bit more about how Stellar X works and what are the benefits of it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, when you build a PowerPoint, you use two D pictures, video to build your story. And mm -hmm. what is all about uh, moving from this paradigm, which was two D, to this new one, which is in three D X Y Z position? You need a tool that will let you drag and drop 3D objects to build your own PowerPoint of the future, your own immersive story. So mm -hmm. from VR in VR, in StatorX, you can drag and drop your 3D objects from your own library or the one you have downloaded from the web and mm -hmm. then build up your, your own scene. And then we have a patent pending visual scripting tool. So mm -hmm. non-programmers, just by connecting nodes between each other, can create their own interaction. So this is how it, it works. So people will be able to create. They are able, actually, it's, it's out now. Uh, you can download it on Steam if you want to try it out. Mm -hmm. And they can, you know, create their own scenario. They can save as, they can remix it. And more and more, we are working on the AI side. So you can co-create. It's not just mm -hmm. you as a user that generate the content, but mm -hmm. soon enough, it's going to be also with AI. So it's going to be artificial intelligence generated content as well. Amazing. Amazing. So will there be, will that be like uh, using, uh, uh, like, uh, for example, you can speak it or you know or describe it and then it'll draw that out uh is that is that what you yeah mean that yeah actually on, on, 
almost that. So it, it is working with NLP, so natural yeah. language processing. So <laughs> you can talk to uh, to an AI agent, and then it will co-create with you. But the co-creation is not really in world creation; it is more in interaction creation. Mm. So uh, that visual scripting tool of ours, when you when you connect nodes between charters, it requires some kind of processing in your brain. And we want you to be able to speak out your desire of your intent, what you want to create. And then there's going to be a first draft draft to be done in front of you, randomly created. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's not mm -hmm. what you want. So like when I press on the button, move the sphere, maybe the sphere will go like 100 kilometers uh, mm -hmm. on the right side of your screen. This is not what you want. But the logical path to do it will be draw in front of your eyes. Then it's your turn to remix it. So this wow. is how you co-create with an AI. I can see that super powerful and, you know, and I'm, and I'm witnessing a lot with what AI is able to do in terms of, you know, very creative side of things, which is like, you know, 20 years ago, if you said it'd be the creative side first, I'd be like, no, 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 it's going to be the scientific side, you know, it'd be very binary zeros and ones, but the, the fact that you can get these to work in such a creative way, and then you add the human element where, you know, it's not just doing it, you are helping it directed, or it's helping you with the vision of it. That's, exactly. that's the important thing. That's, that's the a human thing. in the middle. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I, and, I, and I hope we're not in the middle when they're crushing us, but uh, well, that's super. Well, why, why the metaverse? Like what made you think, hey, this is interesting to me. This is where I want to be focusing my energy. Yeah, maybe being a, a bit foolish because 2014 was uh, super early. And, uh, and then when I first started traveling to South by Southwest, CES, there was something around this tribe, you know, this this family, because it was still a small crowd, and those people around were becoming more and more friends, and and uh, you know, I grew with those new VC firm that wanted to invest in what used to be VR, and now more under this big umbrella of the metaverse. Mm -hmm. So it was yes for the product, and about also this this bigger vision of having this tool that will let anyone, you know, being able to create their own world, but also. What what pushed myself when I when I, if I can speak personally to stay in was the passion, and the passion being also shared with others. Mm -hmm. So being surrounded and supported by an ecosystem that was growing, it was what was the most important thing. Because being alone into it will have been pretty sad, but mm -hmm. being comforted with the other was like, oh, there is a purpose there. There is something mm -hmm. coming in, and that is the metaverse. So it's more this atmosphere that, you know, bring me up to today being still there nine years after and pushing it, pushing it, because I believe that human species, 3D, 3D species that we are, we mm -hmm. need to communicate in 3D. We need to one day to stop, you know, exchanging through 2D medium, through, you know, uh, even, you know, thinking of in 3D and sharing it with someone else uh, and being stopped by a screen is kind of weird. So in, in my mind, so this is why I, I truly believe that this transformation needs to happen. Oh, that's, that's, that's awesome. And, 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 and I totally agree. And I love the fact that you're reflecting on the fact that, you know, the early version of it is very um, it's lonely, you know, and it, it's not until it becomes beyond that, where you can communicate in a, in a rich format that, there, that this is going to, I mean, everyone sees the future. This is where it's going to be. But with that said, I mean, we look at like meta today, the, the yeah. Facebook, uh, you know, it had a. I don't know if you saw the markets this morning, but I think it was down 21%, um, you know, for, for more than just the, the, yeah, more than just the meta reasons, um, you know, obviously Tiki Talk, the Tiki Talk, as I like to say, is kind of eating its lunch too. Um, but, you know, they bet big and, you know, they're, they're hurting a little bit right now, but it made me question, you know, 
is the metaverse, you know, is there going to be one company that'll rule them all, you know, that one ring to rule them all? Or yeah, is it going yeah, to be much more fractured, do you think, in the future? Yeah, I'm a huge Lord of the Ring fan. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't think there's going to be one to rule them all. And I don't think that, you know, the metaverse, it's, it's a company. So for me, the most uh, easiest way to explain what is the metaverse is that today we are living in the universe with physical thing. And the metaverse, it's all about what will be digital and three-dimensional. So that's my simplest way to, to, to explain it. I think it was a bold move to uh, change the name from Facebook to Meta. Uh, I think it fits the purpose and the grander vision of, of Mark and about what we are about to become as, as human again. Mm -hmm. uh, the thing is, when you look to Fortnite and you see that they make $500 million in revenue per month, Mm -hmm. So that's roughly $6 billion a year and only to sell digital clothing through V-Buck purchasing. Those clothes, you cannot sell them back. So you are stuck into this metaverse-ish concept, which is mm -hmm. Epic Game Fortnite IP. And the thing is with the Web3, the, the MetaMask and you know those digital wallets that carries on your, your NFT, your properties mm -hmm. from one place to another, Mm -hmm. There is this concept of interoperability that becomes more and more uh, good to look at because mm -hmm. then your, your digital clothes are not lost forever. You can exchange mm -hmm. them, maybe sell them back for a profit or sometimes for a loss, but mm -hmm. that, that's <laughs> that you, can, you don't lose it to zero. Mm -hmm. So uh, this is why I think it needs to happen and it's not going to be one company holding that. And Already, it is not because you are free to go wherever you want with your with your wallet, because mm -hmm. this is your your connection. This is your identity that stay on the blockchain. Well, that's and that's super interesting, and and also it makes me think that all those V bucks I keep paying for my son that keeps showing up on my credit card. Hopefully, hopefully there's some real value. He keeps saying, "Yeah, it's an investment. Come on, it's an investment." And yeah, I'm not sure. It just keeps showing up on my credit card. Well, you know, I mean, I I I I, I do you know believe again the metaverse is the future. Um, and I believe in AR, VR, I really do. Um, but what is the, you know, what's, what's holding it back right now from mass adoption? Like, what, what do you think the one thing is that we need to like trigger a spark and go, this is where we need to be? Yeah, I think that if you look to uh, the web 2.0 and, you know, uh, all the correction that happened through it and all the change from script language and, uh, and also the best practices, the standard, this is all about what is an ecosystem that can work and grow and scale. So talking about scale, we are not there yet because some piece of that puzzle are missing, but mm -hmm. that is quite a nice niche to focus on as an entrepreneur that you, you can you know help solving. And when you help solving those challenges, there you go to make some revenue on the road and this journey to make it happen. So mm -hmm. I think if you look to uh, this, this great book that was named Crossing the Chasm mm -hmm. and, and, and you look to the metaverse of today, I think we're still, you know, in those early adopters. So right before the chasm or into mm -hmm. it and going through this mass adoption and mm -hmm. to get there, there is still some partnership to happen because to be that biggest fish in the small tongue, yes, it is true, but with today and with the metaverse also collectivity and this community community uh mm -hmm. you need to do it with others because there is so much biggest fish there with whales like the meta of this world google mm -hmm. uh and microsoft and the others mm -hmm. so with many small fishes you can act 
in that sea as a big one. So mm. I think that these are the connections that still needs to be made to make it happen and to make it grow. And <laughs> I see it by on a daily basis happening more and more quicker than even before. And mm. that pandemic was really bad, but it really helps out yeah. this metaverse trend to get out oh, because sure. you need to respect social distanciation and then you can respect it through avatar. So there is a lot of things that came in motion during those past two years. Oh, I can't wait till someone programs the first virus that's going to affect your avatar, right? That's okay. that's going to be, you know, wait, maybe there's your hack yeah. you can start doing there, huh? Um, well, you know, yeah. I mean, I think I think that's just because you're looking from a very software, like, or at least I'm hearing very software, uh, you know, world specific one. Because I also yeah. think some of the challenges right now is around the hardware. Like it's, oh, you know, totally. um, you know, you're not the battery's a challenge, you know, because, you, you know, to, you're almost attached to a computer as opposed to having something much more free facing. I mean, we're constantly, we're seeing this, you know, stuff coming out of China. We keep hearing the rumors of Apple's, you know, not only their goggles, but also their glasses. Yeah. That's more of an AR play, but I think that's going to be interesting. But, you know, we, we need to have these large companies actually kind of come with the form-fitting material, I think, because it's the investment that's going to be required billions and billions of dollars to get there. And I think they're heavily invested in it. But, you know, what's your V your hardware of choice for yourself yeah for me is the is the quest 2 so uh mm. that's the one that is the most relevable right now that i, I can see with with the ecosystem of apps being there mm -hmm. uh but also you know when it comes down to pc vr i really love the vario it's yeah. a it's a finished product which is pinging off from nokia okay and i've been having a, a lot of vc funding so it's a it's a great product also mm -hmm. mainly used in the defense sector because of the yeah. price point I think it's like $9,000, the headset, wow. and you don't have the computer to support it when you have buy this. So the price point will also be something for the adoption. The thing mm -hmm. is, uh, I remember back in uh, 2018, I think I was in December in Finland, and I was testing for the first time the Barrio. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was at Slush, which is a great event. If you want to mm -hmm. go to Finland and uh, go to an event, Slush, it's, I think, one of the, the best thing I, I saw uh, after, you know, CES and all the South by yeah. and those things. Mm -hmm. So going back to my story with Mario, I tested out and the resolution is really like the eye. Mm -hmm. So I didn't see any differentiation between real life and virtual life. Wow. And that was so mind bugging because mm -hmm. I was like, we could be that close to the matrix. And uh, mm. the thing is, I was still hooked up and feeling the, the hooked uh, from the wire connecting myself to the computer mm -hmm. because you need to render that super high quality uh, pictures for two eyes, so two times. Mm -hmm. But once you got 5G, 6G, and you can stream that content straight to that dummy headset, since it's just going to be, you know, screen because everything is rendered on the edge. So mm -hmm. not even on a linked up computer, on Tether, that's going to be a game changer. And at OVA, we already test out 5G on the Quest 2, so not on mm -hmm. the Vario. Yeah. And seriously, being able to stream just like a Netflix, but then, you know, 90 frames per second per eyes, uh, your your application, it's, it's something that, again, kind of changed uh, my vision of what's to come because mm. I was on high fidelity resolution on the, I mean, the highest you can go with the Quest 2, of course. Mm -hmm. And and then I was seeing that all, everything was streamed. So, uh, so yeah, that was well, uh, the game. I, I, that is, that's really interesting. I mean, I also love the fact that you just touched on, I mean, I'm impressed that you've got real 5G because, you know, the 5G we have on our, our phones today are just 
it's marketing as far as I'm concerned, because you're not really getting yeah. the, the, the true speed or the true, um, you know. I was on government antenna. So I was on, on real 5Gs. Just mm -hmm. you can, it was not commercial antenna. You cannot yeah. use it yourself. Yeah. So. But, for, but for testing, but I mean, this is this is where I'm saying, you know, right now it's kind of like all these technologies need to come together and, and, you're, and you're touching on all of them, which I think is great that Ova's working on them. You know, you need 5G, you need transport, you need spot, uh, you know, you need you need fast re reaction time, you know, low interoperability, in like it needs to react as you react. You need to have a device that's working really, really, really well. The, the, the web three context where you can take it in and out of the world so that, you know, the one world doesn't rule at all. I mean, you're actually talking about the technologies that we're just on the cusp of, you know, we're, we're just kissing them right now. It's not really, exactly. you know, it's, it's not even a first date at this point. It's just, they're all starting to come aligned. And once they do, that's when the true vision um, is going to happen is going to happen. Well, you know, one thing that I, I, I really like your website. Okay. And one thing on Ova's website, it talks about your mission, which is to create ethical and human immersive experiences that are accessible to everybody. And I was yeah. really kind of flicked on that word unethical, like the, 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 if there's ethical experiences, well, what's an unethical immersive experience? Can you give me an example of that? Yeah, for sure. And, and my pleasure to answer that question. Great question, by the way. And uh, the thing is, Today, with the, the Quest Pro just being announced, and you can now purchase it since uh, October 25. So a few days ago, it was it was released for purchase. Uh, you can track your your eyes. So this is not new, but this is new for for Meta. Mm -hmm. uh, and also, it can track your facial expression. Mm. So the thing is, today when you go on Facebook and you scroll, 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 and you stop at some place, they will know that you stop at this specific ad. Mm -hmm. But they only know how you feel through that ad if you like it or you you dislike it, right? Mm -hmm. So the thing is, and I will answer the unethical part, is that if they can track your eyes and also your facial expression, then on the go, when you create a world, they will know, and just not meta, everyone will know, uh, that you prefer blue than red. You prefer mm -hmm. that kind of shape. And mm -hmm. even without you telling them by clicking, it's gonna be all based out of biometrics. Mm. So the thing is, when, when you buy hardware, you always agree because you wanna use it, you know? This makes you more productive. Mm -hmm. So we are on a mission to make it more ethical because we are closely following how to do it. And we want to be able to block whatever will be pulled out unless the, the user really accepts to give it out. Because the thing is, if you give it out, this information, it will be also helpful to you to uh, being able to accelerate the creation of 3D world, of metaverse, because mm -hmm. it will suggest you know, what, you, what you like or based on the context of what you are creating. Let's say you are building up an office. Mm -hmm. It's pretty dry, it's, it's chair and desk. They will never suggest you a palm tree because this is so far from an office. Maybe, maybe a palm tree on a picture because you're dreaming of being on the beach, but that's, that's mm -hmm. it. So uh, this is where there is a, a barrier of the ethical and what can be unethical. Mm. So, and this is what we are following closely. This and also the um, everything that uh, you know, some people have a problem accessing the the metaverse because maybe they have disability. So we are working with a research department on how to counter that and how mm. to make it accessible to the most part. The thing is, you know, if you are blind from one eyes or, or, or both, for sure, you cannot access the metaverse. So that, mm -hmm. that is super hard to answer. There's, there is tricks to do with binaural sound to, mm -hmm. so you can be positioned. 
but it's too bleeding edge for us to uh, to make it happen. But we are working on the other part, like how you can access stuff if you have one arms and uh, and so on. Oh, well, that's I mean that's fantastic because I think the world the world needs to ha- be inclusive with all technology and especially people who might be, you know, in the real world have challenges physically. So you know to try yeah. to meet them. Uh, to meet them uh, and their needs. I think I think that's uh, incredibly important. And I, I just kind of want to come back to what you're talking about, about that unethical side, because I'm kind of interested because you're saying, you know, it's it's watching your eyes, it's watching your face. So, I mean, it's it's knowing your your, your emotional attachments to certain uh, events yeah. too. And it's almost like a, a salesperson at scale then. So, you know, is it ethical when you show your car salesman? Okay, we're not car salesmen here, but you know, we're, we're car salesmen. And you can see the emotional response when you show the red Mustang, you know, like that can to, compared to this. Well, this is a scale though, right? So I can understand where that could be a bit challenging, but also could be beneficial because when you get that emotional response, that human response, well, it's a lot deeper um, to finding products or services or whatever that people want. So it is, it is interesting how that is a, a a, a very, you know, line of where do you cross it? And, oh, I'm yeah. pretty sure Zuckerberg is not going to have, he's going to have emotional challenges with, with crossing that ethical, the, the ethical boundaries. I mean, I'm just, I'm just taking a guess here with, with what already Facebook's done. Um, oh, yeah. And think about, you know, kids uh, playing Roblox, you know, they are under the age of 18 or in yeah. some state, the age of 21. Mm-hmm. So uh, what you do with them, because right now in Roblox, there is a place where you can go to a Nike shop mm-hmm. and see your, your favorite sneakers. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's kind of uh, ads for kids. So yeah. uh, I, can't, I can't wait to see like how they will also position themselves for, for that segment. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> but, but then it also makes me wonder because it's a global, you know, it's obviously going to be a global environment. I mean, I was, for example, um, I spent uh, quite a few months when my children were young down in Argentina and they have their version of a science world, which we have here in Vancouver. I, I, I'm pretty sure you have something like that in, in Montreal as well, which is yeah. like that experience for kids to get dirty, you know, learn science, fall in love with STEM, which is so important. But because I guess, you know, um, Buenos Aires isn't as wealthy as say, maybe we are in Canada, it was sponsored by every company. So you get like, you actually got to be a McDonald's worker. And that was the most exciting thing is watch all these kids flipping oh. burgers and working together. And it's beautiful to work together, but I, it was an ethical line that I'm like, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, you know, something interesting. Okay. You know, like carry four was the, was, you know, Hey, we're out, you know, we're, we're shopping and everything, but you know, maybe that's culturally acceptable there where maybe it's not. And who's to know what ethics that we have to drive from. I and mean, we're going to have to have some sort of human ethics line, Ah, we're totally going on a tangent here, but <laughs> just thinking. That yeah, no, 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 but difficult. yeah, no. So I agree. It's a question that you know we need to uh, to think. If we mm-hmm. if we didn't think about it, we'll be you know uh, oh why we didn't think about that. But yeah, yeah, just we'll create you know new jobs. Like oh. who will be the influencer that are will be their influencer that are not human because they are mm-hmm. all created by AI and yeah. uh, they are finally NPC non-player character. Yeah. So uh, so a bunch of new stuff coming up because of all that 3D mentioned and merge with this intersection. It's not just about intersection with blockchains, it's about you know AI, metaverse and 5G, 6G. So it's a it's a huge intersection finally happening in front of our eyes. Yeah. Oh, the excitement that's going to come out of that. Well, well, you already told me about, um, uh, you know, working with some American military um, organizations. And I also read that you worked with the Royal Canadian Navy and the Canadian Armed Forces. Um, what was that like? Yeah, it was, uh, that was another step 
in in this journey that uh, I was like, well, I'm, I'm in the right place because it was a lot of uh, emotion to be in this kind of sometimes secret room uh, for for like discussion. Mm -hmm. And that's back in 2015. I've been invited to a small circle because mm -hmm. I was the only one, you know, walking in the aisle at the ITSEC, even if it's a big show in Orlando in December, every December or end of November about simulation. Mm -hmm. I was like the only one walking there with out of the boot of Oculus. I think back then, Oculus that is now Meta mm -hmm. uh, at their boot, but I was the only one walking around and showcasing with not with a cardboard, with, with something like a cardboard, but made of out of plastic on my uh, Samsung Note 4, okay. uh, a simulation that we have created. And uh, I walked to uh, someone from the Pentagon. Uh, I walked to generals and I pitched them, you know, with my long hair. Uh, <laughs> okay, hippie. <laughs> you know, pitched them uh, the virtual reality and how it can help them instead of buying huge simulation system. So this mm -hmm. is how I get in. And uh, so that was on the U.S. side, but uh, moving back to uh, to Canada, where where I'm based, uh, we got our first contract in 2017, and uh, I had to travel to Halifax, which is on the east coast of Canada, mm -hmm. and then to Victoria Island on the west coast. Mm -hmm. It was nice just to discover also, uh, you know, my country because I never been to those coasts before uh, uh, doing those contracts. So yeah, it was <laughs> it was pretty uh, pretty amazing, and we were I. You know, back then I didn't meet anyone else doing that. Uh, we were setting up in those secret labs, the the HTC Vive uh, with uh, with the wireless setup, uh, pushed by a computer and putting tape on the on the ground so they can know where they will fit as as individual working in teams. So uh, no, it was uh, impressive because the 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 army is is so uh based like like a pyramid shape so there is a lot of things to to be respected so it was it was kind of nice to bring that innovation to a mm. kind of what you see as something being rigid mm -hmm. but super innovative so mm. the defense was i discovered a lot of things and they know a bunch of stuff that we we don't know and they, mm -hmm. they bring they brought us a, a lot of information like we want that I was like oh what is that so i look up and we we integrate it so, uh, so that was, uh, yeah. Wow. Must have been an eye. Must have been an eye opener. And what a wonderful experience for you to see the rest of Canada as well, which is, you know, doing business and getting to see from, you know, from Halifax to to Victoria, which makes sense when you're dealing with the Navy. You don't tend to go to Winnipeg too often with the Navy. Um, yeah. But uh, that's, well, that's yeah, yeah. No, you need to be on the on the on the sea and on the coast. And uh, yeah, yeah. I've been invited to London as well to mm -hmm. uh, speak to uh, the MOD Ministry of yep. Defense. Mm -hmm. uh, traveling in uh, in the country to uh, Reading and Milton Keynes, uh, working with uh, Babcock, which is a prime in the defense. Yeah. And and yeah, I mean, once you're, it's hard to get in, but once you're in, you're you're kind of in. So uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> so that fantastic. was that was cool to be a part of that crowd. Yeah. Oh, I bet, I bet. And once you once you get into that, it also opens up other doors. So you know, those are some top tier, you know, clients. Is there any other top tier like big names that you work with that uh, you can share? Yeah, so uh, today we work with uh, Meta. Uh, mm -hmm. We have a contract with them to work on their uh, upcoming headsets. So uh, cool. we were working on the the Pro before it was released, and 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 so on. So that's that's really uh, cool. And uh, 
when when I was going to those shows, South by Software, CES, and and so on, I was waiting for the panels people from Google, Facebook, uh, Amazon to stop talking about about their stuff, and and then you know hustling them to show them what we were doing. <laughs> so I was invited in San Francisco or down the Silicon Valley to talk to them in their in their office in their lab. Mm -hmm. and, and see how we can collaborate. So this is how it starts from Menlo Park to, uh, to Sennel Road. Uh, this is how it, it happens. And this is why today OVA is, is lucky enough to work with, with primes such as Meta, but also in Japan, we work with Nikon. Mm -hmm. So we have been invited by Nikon to, mm -hmm. to meet them and install our solution there. So it is cool that the metaverse is, it is not only cross-platform, but it is mm -hmm. also cross countries. For sure. And uh, you, you mentioned it, you know, the Five Eyes, the NATO, mm -hmm. uh, all that also is interconnected through G2G MOU. Mm -hmm. So uh, because of that, we, are, we can, you know, bounce from, from a place to another. Oh, I love that. But I, I want to touch on one thing, which I thought was really interesting is, you know, you're talking about, hey, I'm, you know, working with these great companies, but you also highlighted that you hustle to get to them. Like, this isn't something that you don't stop hustling for. You had to wait for them to stop parking, to talk, blah, 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 talk, stop talking so you can go and get their attention and show them what, you, what you're doing. So, you know, that, that's a huge lesson, again, to, you know, to the theme of who we're talking, uh, we're talking to here. Um, well, here's one question I ask, because I'm a twin. I have a, my handsome oh. twin brother is my co-founder of my company, uh, the, oh. the handsome David Hobbs. But here's a question for you because we get a lot of opportunities. I mean, actually, one of our, our, our clients is Unity. So we do a lot of 3D okay. ourselves. Yeah. And everyone we're talking about is like, I want a digital twin. I want a digital twin. You know, they can't have a real twin, so they want a digital twin. So here's a very simple, almost binary question. Does everything need a digital twin? Well, this, yeah, this is a huge question. And, and the thing is, what is exactly a digital twin as well? So yes, it is a replica of, let's say, a A220, which is a, a plane made here uh, in Montreal by, used to be by Bombardier, but now it's it's A220, so Airbus. Mm -hmm. uh, so that, that twin of the Airbus could be first the 3D models with exactly the same specific as the real one, mm -hmm. but also when you push that digital twin to the maximum, it's also connected to the IoT. So uh, mm -hmm. when you push a lever, it will also push it in the real life. So then you can be in this virtual control room and, mm -hmm. and work on, on a real life object. So the, everything is twinned. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's why digital twinning everything uh, will be kind of complex. Mm -hmm. And I think that just what matters needs to be fully digital twin as, as the digital twin wants it. Mm -hmm. But uh, what I want to say on that is uh, myself, I graduate as an industrial engineer. Mm -hmm. So uh, I used to work a lot with AutoCAD back back in the good old days. Mm -hmm. And uh, <laughs> and it was, you know, the worst 3D models you can make because as an engineer, you don't care to hide a model inside a model. Mm -hmm. But when you push it to Unity, for example, to a 3D engine, uh, the thing is, your polygon, when you want to see it in, in VR or XR, your polygon count, the number of triangle you will use mm -hmm. is really something you need to care about. Mm -hmm. It needs to be as low as possible uh, if you want to add as much as possible. Mm -hmm. So uh, myself as drawing uh, many 3D objects inside many objects because I was too lazy to just delete it, uh, that will not work. That will not pass for this paradigm shift. Mm -hmm. So where I want to go with that is with this new Apple headset, there's going to be also a new file format, USD, mm -hmm. USDZ. Mm -hmm. uh, now with the OpenXR community, 
uh, and the metaverse forum and all this. Uh, it's all about GLTF, GLB. Mm -hmm. But uh, I used to use CAD and then FEX, OBG. Yeah. So, uh, so I think there is this consensus of people thinking we need to work only with, if possible, with GLB, GLTF, and also with best practices to make it happen. So the digital twin of the past are not so good compared mm -hmm. to what we do today. Mm -hmm. And I think this is why it's, it needs to happen, but we need to choose or fight to make it happen or it's too huge. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Well, I think it's going to be interesting as, you know, you have object-sized digital twinning, and then you're going to have, you know, regional-sized or, you know, city block-sized digital twinning, and then, you you know, then they attach the picture globally, and that's when it's going to get interesting, because then you can start experimenting, you know, the old butterfly effect. We can really, you know, test that out, um, where, you know, the smallest thing does create an interaction, um, and that that's exciting, but I think we're quite a few years off from that. Um, yeah. Well, you know, I, speaking of digital twins again, you know, they're, they're, these 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 ladies are not twins. We always make jokes that they're sisters at heart. Um, we was really really lucky uh, to have uh, Vivian Chan and Caddy Wang, um, who are who are gonna who are gonna be behind this uh, this week's Canadian startups that we love. Um, they're they're the founders of the Vancouver Startup Week and and dear friends dear friends of mine, and they have a great question for you. Two wonderful friends, Katty Wang and Vivian Chan of Vancouver Startup Week. We're going to do this a little bit different. Katty, introduce Vivian to us and tell us one thing that the world does not know about her. Oh my gosh, that's putting me on the spot. Hi everyone, I'm Katty. Um, Vivian Chan. Oh, where do I start? <laughs> um, she is the person that you need to know uh, for the startup Indeed. community. Right. Um, mm -hmm. I remember when I was running a startup, you know, um, Vivian's name come up all the time and people are like, if you need to know one person, that's Vivian Chan in the community. And here I am hiding in the conference in the corner of the room, staring at her, be like, oh, that's the infinite Vivian that I need to talk to, but I'm too scared. Um, so, yeah. So Vivian has, what, 10 years of experience um, in the startup community, helped millions of companies or thousands wow, of companies. Wow, <laughs> Um, lots lots and lots of companies definitely there well right? well 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 vivian you right back at you tell me about caddy wang caddy wang what would we do without her Fact. um caddy makes us all look good let's be real so caddy does a lot of stuff behind the scenes because you know she doesn't always like the spotlight but she makes all of us organize and look so professional and look good and anytime I mess up an Excel spreadsheet, I call Caddy. She'll Fantastic. fix it. <laughs> I, 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 now, I, now I know who to help me with my formula. Exactly. Uh, well, I'll color the cells, but she'll make sure the formula works. <laughs> that's important too. That's important too. Well, Vancouver Startup Week. I mean, this is a super important event um, that happens and it, and it will be happening again. You know, COVID be damned in real life soon. But I have one question for you. Are you the founders of Startup Week, the Vancouver Startup Week for me? And if not, do you know who is? Yes. Um, we'll go sorry. with, with, with mean, Vivian for that one. Yeah. Yeah. No, as in we are not the founders of Startup Week. Um, so Vancouver Startup Week started in 2014. Um, three lovely people that, you know, we're, we're lucky to have in our lives and call friends. Um, Boris Mann, Cheryl Draper, and Andrew Diltz. Um, oh, okay. The three of them came together and decided to launch Startup Week. And yeah, 2014 was the first year. It was basically a week full of different events, different venues, different partners, a lot of fun. And I think it really kind of 
showed us that we needed something like that in the city. Um, it was <laughs> it was in November and it was dumping rain. That that's why we changed the date. Um, but yeah, they the three of them started it, and then 2015 is when I joined. I think I was voluntold at a and breakfast. Yeah, I showed up at a breakfast and they said, here's a team for next year. And I went, I thought I was here for free food. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we are not the founders, but we we joined over the next couple of years and we've stuck with it since. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, I knew I knew about Andrew. I did not know about Boris Mann though, because I know he does a lot. There, there, yeah, there, there Boris, Boris showed up at my office and asked to meet me. And I was scared because I was like, what does Boris want? And he just said, I'm running startup week. Why aren't you on the calendar? And so Back. I was like, I guess I'll come up with an event just to make you happy <laughs> that is awesome that is awesome yeah. well caddy can you tell me what is vancouver startup week then oh vancouver startup week it is a week-long celebration um for all the partners within the community not only just the startup founders and um startups itself but also investors stakeholders like accelerators, support groups, um, and also um, organizations that are supporting startups in general. So things like um, Innovate BC, you know, the government facilities and um, um, accounting and law firms. So we bring everybody together uh, for a week, usually from Friday to Friday. Um, and we put on 120, anywhere between 80 to 120 events during the week so that we can celebrate everybody in this community and put on a big party. Fantastic. And I know it's very eclectic. I mean, there's a lot of things for everyone to learn. I'm, in fact, I, I do remember one of the early ones uh, looking at a panel and thinking, that is super interesting. I want to learn more about it and then discovered, oh my God, I'm sitting on the panel. <laughs> which was which Surprise! was eye-opener. I like to call myself contrast to the wonderful panel with me. <laughs> Um, but uh, I learned I, I learned a lot. Well, speaking about learnings, and uh, Viv, I'm going to push this one to you, but what's one thing, I mean, you've been doing this since 2015, a year after it founded, but what's one thing that you've learned um, along the way that you wish you knew when you started? That the community and the people that make up the ecosystem are always changing. Mm. Um, there's, you know, the group that, you know, we've been around for a decade and you start to just get comfortable. And I think it's the, you can never get comfortable. There's always something new, whether it's technology or a really cool startup or just how the city is, you know, what's happening. Um, I think that was the biggest lesson for me is you can never get comfortable. And you're always learning as an organizer and getting out of your own comfort zone and meeting new people to make sure that everything we do is the best that we can do and not doing things the exact same way that we've done in the past. That was my biggest learning. Nice. Evolve, yeah. evolve, evolve. Mm -hmm. You know, one thing that also really impresses me is you have such a great group of um, volunteers and mm -hmm. you can find some amazing employees through some of these volunteers because they usually have a little time in their hand. And that's me realize, wow, this person is very organized and very dedicated to what they yeah. do. So, you know, even if you're not there, you know, you say, hey, we're not really a startup or, you know, stuff like that. There is places for you, especially if you're in HR, to start learning about some of these people who are out there that are in the community. Well, I mean, we're talking, you know, a little bit about quality of volunteer and I'm going to throw this one back to you, Caddy. But what quality uh, most impresses you about the founders of some of these early stage startups? Or inversely, you know, what gaps do you notice that that some of these early stage founders have when they when they show up to, uh, we'll say, some of the rookie ones that show up to the uh, the, the, the event. 
Right. I have to throw myself back in the um, in the time when I was running my own startup. And that's mm-hmm. really how I joined Startup Week is I feel like as a founder, I needed the community support. And that, that's how I got involved with the organization. And one of the things that I noticed for these um, startup founders is, you know, the Startup Week, they would draw early stage uh, startup founders Mm -hmm. and um, the gaps that they're looking for is it takes a lot of time for these startup founders to find everybody within the community right so if they need a lawyer they will have to research for law firms if they need accounting firm they have to do the same thing accelerators and things like that so um, that's one of the gaps that I've noticed is as a startup founder it's it's a little difficult to 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 find out information in an effective or an efficient manner. And you, you know me, I'm all about efficiency. So um, so yeah, so in terms of Startup Week, that's like the one opportunity where you could go to the event and find everybody that you need to know within that week so that you can actually talk to somebody, you know, within the hour and then, and then get all aspects of your startup, I guess, questions answered. I love that answer. And it's, and it's a fact. I mean, it's the opportunity because everyone does want to talk. I mean, this is a community play where everyone just wants to try to, you know, uh, help each other out, learn from each other. And, uh, you know, and I, and I, and it's daunting too, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, when, Mm -hmm. when you're a startup, like, you know, all all of a sudden you need to talk to an accountant and a lawyer, you don't even know Mm -hmm. where to turn and they're all in, you know, their fancy buildings and fancy offices (laughs) and you, you have no idea who to talk to. And then the moment you're in a networking event, you turn around, oh, you're so-and-so from, from this company. Mm -hmm. I have a question for you. And then all of a sudden you have a friendly face. It's, it's, it's an awesome opportunity. And, and again, I think, I think both of you and all your volunteers for, for getting such a, such a great, um, important week uh, for Vancouver organized. Well, as, as you know, we chat with some of Canada's most intriguing and successful founders on Afternoon Tea. And our guest this week is someone really interesting, Harold Doomer uh, of OVA. And, um, you know, I will go to you, Vivian, um, keep everything even. Uh, what question would you like to ask Harold about their journey? Yeah, I mean, and one thing for us is we never say that you have to stay in the city. There's a lot of resources, you know, within your community, but also the country and your continent. So we always encourage a lot of our startup founders to look outside of Vancouver as well for different mm-hmm. opportunities. So I guess my question for Harold is if I were a startup founder and I was headed your way, what is the one event that I should make sure to check out? Yeah, on my end, I really love Ob Montreal. And mm-hmm. also C2 Montreal. And mm-hmm. the thing is, Up Montreal started back around 2016, 17. And the mission of their funder was to make a kind of south by southwest of the of Montreal, of the mm-hmm. east. Mm-hmm. And uh and, and I think you know they they are really achieving a high quality event with, with a lot of uh speakers that come from everywhere. And mm-hmm. uh and this is the the one that I like the most and where I get the most out of uh, when, I, when I want to make connection. Mm-hmm. So there is people from big companies coming down and also uh, people locally. Here, you know, in Montreal, there is like Ubisoft, ADOS, uh, mm-hmm. Spurinix, uh, name it. You know, there is a lot of AAA gaming studio. Mm-hmm. And, and in some way, the metaverse, you know, it is leveraging 3D engine, yeah. which are also mainly used in the video game industry. So there is a huge bridge over here with that. And we have also Cinema Studio mm-hmm. and all of them get together uh, at Odd Montreal. I saw a, a talk about how they did the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. So uh, on, on that, because it's done here uh, at the Mel Studio, oh, cool. which is close to uh, Champlain, some part of it. 
-hmm. and uh, because there is a huge presence of Unreal Epic game here. Yeah. So, uh, and they have worked, you know, on the Mandalorian. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, that makes, I mean, I was really, really lucky because I was, uh, I was in Montreal and Quebec City last weekend because I was doing the, uh, the university tour with my daughter who's in grade 11 and, oh. you know, thinking of it. And, yeah. um, and, 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 and I, I love, you know, I, I, I actually did my first year university at Laval and, you know, you're all old matter. And it was so yeah. wonderful to go back and also to share it with my daughter. Um, but I also was shocked, you know, both in Montreal and Quebec City, Ubisoft has a huge presence. Um, you know, I, I was, I, Montreal, I wasn't surprised about, I knew that, but I was surprised about Quebec City as well, um, which is nice. And you, Ova, is in both Quebec City and Montreal. What's the yep. advantage of, of having a company in both Quebec City and Montreal right now? I'm born and raised in Quebec City, so uh, my personal advantage is that I can see my parents when I go to the Quebec City office. But uh, that that on the side, you know, I find that the startup ecosystem in Quebec City is much more smaller, unfortunately, than, than Montreal. But there is uh, a lot of organization making uh, that starting to change, mm -hmm. like uh, Le Caen and uh, also Quebec International. And the thing is, back in the 90s, uh, there was a lot of grant for uh, subsidies for a video game to be in Quebec downtown. Mm -hmm. And uh, they got, I think, a part of the rent being paid by the government. So this is why all the buildings of Ubisoft and mm -hmm. what used to be Activision, now Binox are down there with, with others uh, that mm -hmm. I just got a memory blank. But uh, but yeah, this this is why it, it was that good. There was a kind of gold rush to get that so they can be placed and have that, all those square feet for almost free. Uh, mm -hmm. Now, I think that it's so crowded in Montreal. When you want to find resources, Quebec City is it's a really good spot because you know it is not yet crowded. And there is a lot of opportunity for people to be hired there. There is a big presence in Quebec City for insurance and bank. Mm -hmm. But, you know, people want to find something else, something maybe more interactive, then they move out from that to uh, the video game industry. And this is mm -hmm. why we are also positioned there is, you know, it's, it's a lot of attraction for that industry. So we try to catch them when they move between between mm -hmm. positions. So, uh, <laughs> oh, it, 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 it makes sense. And, you know, from from, you know, I'm going to really age myself from my when I was there in 1991 uh, to 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 now. I mean, I remember no one spoke English at all in Quebec City. And, and you know what? That was the charm of it, to be honest. I, I really like that. <laughs> but I mean, I guess maybe the internet's kind of changed things. But the youth, I mean, everyone speaks it now, which which I was, you know, bragging to my daughter. Oh, we're going to have to do everything in French. It's going to be so much fun. And then instantly it's like, oh, OK, everyone's a little bit more, a little more, uh, you know, um, in both languages, which, again, I'll call it good. I'll call it bad. I guess it's just, you know, the the, the it, yeah. it is what it is, because honestly, I love the 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 charm of Quebec being so unique, and I think it's that it's important that it has that. And it, I know it's also difficult, especially when we're in a nation of immigrants now. Um, you know that that they're yep. coming from the world, and they want to yep. they want to you know bring their flavors as well, um, which which I think is super important. But when I was at Laval, I remember they had a really strong robotics school. Like it was like I was I remember you know looking over across and going. Oh, that's pretty cool what they're building over there. And that was in 91. Um, what would you say is the reason to study Laval now? Like what's what's the really strength there? Oh yeah. Oh, and uh, you know, what I really like about Laval in, in my time outside, and I will come back to this trend, is mm -hmm. is how it is easy to talk with your professor and be close with them, and they will really take the time to help you out with through through the different challenge. 
And uh, for me, uh, my engineer degree was, was quite challenging. Mm -hmm. So uh, that was, I appreciate the most. And also uh, you are really close from, from a lot of people that are there to support you. But uh, on my mind, what I, I really did like was uh, the fact that there is people that will follow you, you know, not only for one year, but also the, you will see them again on the other year. And I never heard that, you know, in two other universities where you will meet the same professor that is also there for another course. So that was kind of, uh, of nice because mm -hmm. you don't feel lost in translation between mm -hmm. two. It's, it's the same kind of vision on how to explain it. Mm -hmm. So that was one of the strengths uh, that I discovered. And there is a lot of challenge where we have to build stuff and uh, and it is not you know sponsored by any uh, companies. Just like it's challenge that we give ourselves at Laval University, like building a canoe mm -hmm. made of uh, of concrete, wow. and uh, you need then to race with it on the Saint Lawrence. <laughs> yeah, made of concrete. Wear a life jacket. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. With no life. That's the next challenge. With no life jacket. But yeah, that that's what I I, I find fun. And also the university life. You know, mm -hmm. outside of the it is really great. I mean, uh, my friend was from Montreal and uh, you, you want to stick around because you say, wow, the nightlife on, on the campus. Mm -hmm. And that was, I think, what was really hard for me uh, to keep my focus because the nightlife was was really something at Laval University. Oh, I, I remember that. I used to tell my mom and dad, I, don't worry, I'm only having one drink, but it was these meter high drinks that they sold yeah. at, on campus. But you know, yeah, the thing the that I also thought that was so interesting about Laval, and it hasn't changed since the day I was there, because again, I, I spent a lovely day on Sunday walking around the campus, is the African influence of, of uh, like, it's got a very strong African influence of from, I guess, French-speaking nations. And yeah, exactly. That's very unique. I had, I, you know, we don't really have that in other parts of Canada. Like, but like, I'm talking like true Africa. And I remember, for example, on my floor when I was living in uh, Pavilion Perron and Marie Perron back in the day, yeah. everyone yeah. was from like, uh, what were they from? Like um, Djibouti and Senegal and like all these places. And it was exactly. so interesting to meet these influences. And uh, that was that was very special. Did you did you have like similar? Yeah, uh... yeah all my, I, not all, but like maybe. A quarter of my class were with people from like Morocco, uh, Morocco, yeah. and also yes, Senegal. So uh, and yeah, everyone speaks French. So uh, that's why this disconnection, mm -hmm. and uh, it makes me dream a lot because they were talking about the sea and the blue water and the palm tree, and you know mm -hmm. we don't get that in Quebec City, <laughs> especially so, in the uh, winter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was hard for uh, people from Morocco to, uh, the the winter. And uh, I remember when I was going to, to see them in the residence uh, on the Laval University campus, they have those huge can of uh, oil, uh, olive oil. So uh, I was like, wow, where do you get that? And they import it from their country. So that was like the, the one thing that they, they brought with them. <laughs> olive oil, well, that's, that's yeah. awesome. I mean, that's, that's super, super interesting. I just remember that the person who had my uh, mailbox before me was yeah. uh, kept getting offers for getting the university or getting a PhD at the University of Uende or whatever it is. And I'm like, maybe I'll go. I, that's not my name, but sure, I'll go get a PhD. Yeah. And, yeah, and uh, I guess we'll, uh, whatever. Anyhow, it was, it was a very, it was an adventure for me and I, it really touched my heart. Well, tell me, you are a board member of uh, La Musée de la Civilisation. Tell me about yeah. that. Yeah, it's uh, the biggest East Coast of Canada museum. Mm -hmm. And it's really uh, on the innovation side. They are uh, they are digital.
capitalizing a bunch of the, the creation that they, they are there from you know, the past. And uh, as being a board member for now, uh, I think six or seven years already, mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of, of new project coming. And mm -hmm. one of them that is, is quite funny, is called uh, OMAD, which is translated to, oh shit. Uh, <laughs> it is all about you know, the, the, the history of the poop uh mm -hmm. and, and that was one of the best selling uh exposition that they got there so you know it's really out of the box museum mm -hmm. and this is their main vision is that whatever the season whatever uh the purpose when you go to the museum you know you will have a great day there you don't have to even look to the schedule you know that every exposition from a day to another will be a blast so mm -hmm. there was one on Titan and uh is adventure on London mm -hmm. and this one on the poop. So uh, it's really diversified. So this is what I like about this museum. It is not like stuck into, you know, which is great. I love to go and see masterpiece. So, but this is not, you know, their, their goal. Their goal mm -hmm. is to educate the youth and also not, not the so youth about like the different culture and, mm -hmm. and in a fun way sometimes. So uh, oh, yeah. that sounds awesome. Now, now, I, these are high touch. I mean, it's so important that the kids get there and they touch and they, you know, maybe not the poop, but you know, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, like that. But it's like high touch and everything, right? So how does the metaverse Im impact that? Is it, a, is it a negative or a positive compared to having the real experience? Yeah, th there is a thing that I, I read once where uh, if you show something in VR to, to a kid that is, is young, like maybe I think four years or five years old, sometime they will confuse what they saw in VR to what is real. They will, mm -hmm. they will think that this memory that they saw after a few moments, it was something really real. Hmm. So there is, when it comes down to the metaverse, it's not needs to be in VR, you know, or XR. It, it can be in three dimension. Mm -hmm. But, you know, this eye level of retention of information that you can get out of VR. Uh, I saw a study out of Saga University based out of Japan on a group of 30 people aged between 12 and 13. Uh, they saw that the attention level was six times more higher than in a traditional classroom. They compared the grade of the people, you know, studying in VR compared to traditional. Mm -hmm. and, and the best student in the traditional class did, did have a B+. Plus. And 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 uh and the worst like in the VR class as a, a A minus something like that. But you know the worst was better than the best in the other class. Yeah. So uh, so because of that, I think kids you know going through those kind of information with the attention level being so low these days because all the information is pushed on five second videos. I think VR will bring back this kind of attention where you need to focus, even if it's dry the, the mm -hmm. information that is true to you information becomes more and more less dry because it's so interactive based out of just only the medium so okay so i'm no longer taking the red pill i'm staying with the blue pill then right we're staying in the oh, matrix yeah. there we yeah, go yeah no more red pill we made it disappear that's the that's the act the ultimate act don't have the choice <laughs> there we go yeah we, we don't have a choice well, i i i really enjoy doing my research uh into you harold and found some really really interesting things uh for example is it true or just a rumor that you have an intense fear of the dark yeah yeah it, it is it is true and i don't know how you you find out uh about that so uh i don't know why when when i was uh traveling much more for work uh, you know, I was often in older room or uh, in, in Airbnbs and mm -hmm. uh, 
being alone in the dark I, and i know i read on that i'm not alone i think uh i was i was always sleeping really badly mm -hmm. so uh so what i had to do often is to put some music and and leave the tv on and the lights on mm -hmm. so so every time i go pitch after that to to someone about what we are doing so i'm sure i got raccoon eyes because i didn't sleep so well <laughs> so this is how much my fear of dark is but uh as as more as these goes and the traveling you know i need to sleep so i was i was able sometimes because i was too tired to just close everything off and, and mm -hmm. sleep but yeah i i wish i could have traveled back then with with my wife sleeping next to me so then uh, i can sleep like a, like a baby but uh yeah i don't know why this is uh, un unexplainable from from me but yeah scare of the dark <laughs> no, I, dig it. I, 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 I dig it i mean you don't want you don't want to have the batteries turn off in the metaverse and, and you know and it just no. uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a fear that uh, yeah no i dig that well you know you touched a little bit about this in your hacker days but i want to know more which is mm -hmm. when you were 15 you um you know grew up on music plus which you know we're much music is i don't think the kids have this anymore which is awful because i think it's the one thing that ties all of canada together which i always yeah. thought was interesting but you as a 15 year old hacker pushed elton john's track this train don't stop there anymore to the number one video clip on music plus Wow. yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yeah because it was linkin park uh i can't remember what was the song that of linkin park that was uh number one but it was like for four weeks in a row i was pretty tired of it and <laughs> i told myself if i put like blink 182 uh all the small things maybe it will not be my exploit it's just gonna be random luck so i yeah, really yeah. want a song that for sure nobody will have vote for it and sorry elton john about that <laughs> but you know linkin park was so much trending was yeah. punk rock and Elton John was just out of it. So uh, Elton John, this train don't stop. What, what I did is that uh, I was going to the high school with a laptop. We were all connected all together. So I waited for uh, everyone to leave the class. And uh, I, I connect myself through a Trojan horse that was called Sub7 to all those uh, 29 others laptop. And I was able to do what is uh, uh, both bombing so mm -hmm. I vote bomb in a row with 29 per uh, the number of time I could change the, the IP address of each computer. Uh, and so I gathered maybe, I don't know, 350 votes, which was enough to put it number one. Mm -hmm. And uh, that night I came down in, in, uh, in the basement where, because I was with my parents at 15 years old. Mm -hmm. And um, I put on the TV, I called my parents, I say, come down. I think I, I, I put Elton John number one. So we worked like five, four, three, two, Elton. So uh, it, it, it works. But um, that, that was a, a one-off. I didn't do it after that because I, I was so scared to get caught and to have the police coming down to the, to the, to the high school, you know? You so, proved you uh, could do it. You yeah, proved you could do it. Yeah. yeah no. And I never spoke about it uh, at my high school because I, I don't want this, this to be uh, talked around and to be known. Because mm -hmm. I was still acting on other stuff. So yeah. uh, back then, it was the Dreamcast. Me and my friend got a crew called the Lumberjack Crew. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were collaborating with people from Switzerland on uh, FTP Public. Okay. And one day, then I was 17 years old, though, uh, I got a letter from Sega Europe mm -hmm. uh, telling me that uh, I felt into what is called a honeypot. It was mm -hmm. a, a fake FTP that they put with with uh, act game. So they okay. can find the IP address and they got my IP address. Uh, I don't know how they, they find my email because I was on Hotmail, yeah. which is pretty random. 
but they mm -hmm. find it and they told me that there will be a repercussion yeah. that was right before christmas time and, <laughs> oh, uh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah i was so so scared because i always told that i was only downloading and never uploading games mm -hmm. so uh but finally sega europe never came to canada mm -hmm. And also I was 17, so I was like, okay, I'm 17. Uh, but yeah, and, and this is when I, I kind of stopped, you know, uh, yeah. being that much into it. Uh, I wait maybe two years and I start again with the Xbox, but that's mm -hmm. another story for another time. But yeah, that was my, my high school time. More more bark, less bite of Switzerland or Switzerland. Well, you, you know, it's funny because I, I did something similar back way back in the, in the dot-com days. We had this one, we call it the first social media play, which was called Hot or Not. And mm -hmm. I managed to get myself as the number one not by, you know, I had to play a lot of tricks on it, but it pissed my wife off so much that oh. my picture was the least hot person on earth for, it was almost for three days um, of gumming the system that, that I had to remove myself. But uh, um, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not something to be proud of when you're not hot. No, I guess. Wow. <laughs> that, that, that was not what made you and your wife, you know, meet each other. Uh, no, 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 no. That would have been even worse. We, we were, we were, we were engaged at that point, so it was, it, it was okay. It was okay, but you know, she, she prefers yeah. the, uh, she prefers the K-pop yeah, the, the pretty boys to me being the, you know, the, that way. Well, you know, I, 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 one other thing that I really wanted to touch on because I thought this was really, really interesting. Can you share your adventures of making pineapple wine from scratch? Oh yeah, oh. I dug deep. I dug really deep. Yeah, you dug so deep, uh, and that's great because I used to travel a lot on islands. So I, I when I was 19 years old, I, I worked in Corsica, oh, wow. uh, and then in at 20, I, I came back. I was a, a chauffeur, a valet, mm -hmm. and I was driving people from the hotel to uh, to the airport. Then I move on to Hawaii. Uh, even I got my card as as an Hawaiian resident because I was there for four months. Oh wow! And then move out to. Uh, so that was every summer, you know, in yeah. between semester. Mm -hmm. uh, I move on to French Polynesia. I was uh, I was a, a banana, you know. I was disguised as a banana and I was selling juice. So <laughs> that was the summer before going back to French Polynesia. Uh, and when I did came back uh, on the second time, I was living in Moria. So mm -hmm. Moria is the island in front of Tahiti. Mm -hmm. And in Moria is well known for its pineapple. Mm. When you look to the mountain, it's all, almost if you look to a huge pineapple because it's, it's made out of pineapple. There is a lot of pineapple agriculture. Mm -hmm. And I was asked if I can do a pineapple wine uh, for my internship. And I say yes. So just like oh, Lockheed yes. Martin, they asked me, can you do VR? I told them yes. It was mm -hmm. the same kind of story. So I said, yeah, I'll do a pineapple wine. I can do that. Uh, um, I was 24 years old. So I traveled there for uh, four months and uh, I, I, I walk around and I find what was the best pineapple, which was coming from that parcel uh, in the mountain. And uh, mm -hmm. it was uh, a pineapple that was between green and yellow. Then uh, the fermentation, I have to add a lot of sugar and mm -hmm. I, I kind of cheat uh, or act the, the wine because I use uh, yeast that produce uh, some kind of smell, banana smell. Mm -hmm. and uh and and then it works uh the director of the factory said wow this is we need to produce that and because uh again i'm an industrial engineer i was able to design the whole layout mm -hmm. so uh that was maybe the the easiest part the most complicated one was to be a kind of a a cook of a pineapple wine which is pretty <laughs> random there is nowhere in literature you know other there was one in hawaii but it's super secret 
-hmm. So uh, I cannot send them an email. How do you make it? Help me. <laughs> uh, so uh, I had to figure it out and uh, I don't know how I, I made it. So, uh, but I was working, you know, from like 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. every day. And the most dangerous thing is on my way back to where I was sleeping down the road, there was a lot of stray dog mm -hmm. and they were super uh, aggressive. Yeah. And I didn't have any smartphone, so I was walking in the dark and always I need to look not scared because I, I was thinking they will fear it. I never been by it, but it was coming close sometimes. So I was mm. just like, don't look at them in the eyes. So that was the, the old story uh, of my <laughs> and the final one. And it brings you right back to your fear of the dark again, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe it's dark because you thought dogs. there were dogs. Yeah, you thought there were dogs. Yeah. Everywhere. And you know, I was, I, was, I guess when you're flying in, too, I love the airport I, I, for, for, for the FA, yeah. F -A yeah. bunch of A's. <laughs> it's like, what, three A's beside each yeah. other and a bunch of characters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, yeah I, I've been I, there. Um, I haven't. I was looking at recently. You know, I've actually been really, really blessed. I've been, I've been to about 113 countries, and I haven't been there yet. Um, but I'm scratching some off. I'm scratching some off, and that's why I was looking at it with uh, uh, for for. But but the but the Polynesia, all those, they're tough because there there's multiple you know nations. Yeah. They're all kind of far from each other. So to to scratch those ones off the list, it, it, you you're, you're going to have to. Definitely but there is invest. a trick. There mm -hmm. is a trick, though. So Ooh, you fly there in Tahiti, and there mm -hmm. is a, a, a special pass. I don't know if it's still valid, but mm -hmm. in in my days, uh, you have three days to do uh, ten island. Really? So, uh, and it's it was costing me a thousand Canadian dollar to do so. That's worth so, it. So uh, I was able to do that summer, uh, close to ten. I did eight eight island oh. there, and uh, yeah. So uh, so then you can be like three days there, four day days, yeah. and, and there is so small island. Like one of them is called Mopiti. Yep. M A U P I T I. Mm -hmm. And Mopiti is like forty five minutes flying to Bora Bora. And uh, you can do it with bicycle in 45 minutes, the all the all round. And <laughs> Mopiti is the one of the most beautiful places I saw in my life in terms of island because I've also been in the seashell and uh, <laughs> seashell, Corsica, Tahiti, Bora Bora. Uh, the most of all of them that I saw is Mopiti. Oh, so wonderful. if you have a place to go, one day it's it's more people I'll, I'll, I'll have to check it out. i'm actually working on a, on a on a weird trip right now though because it's my twin brother's 50th birthday coming up and so we said we're going to be doing a good celebration so a bunch of us are actually going to do albania and a couple of countries around there so you know to wow. basically tick those ones off the box but i've always been fascinated by albania i haven't been there yet so yeah uh, okay. you know, yeah check out how it looks like no country I, of mother cool. Teresa. Yeah. come on you know it's got to be great it's got to be great oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? To get back on track from you know my my yep. divergence of information here, but uh, you had so much so much cool stuff to share so far. But our 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 theme uh, of the podcast is talk to wonderful entrepreneurs like yourself in order to prepare that next generation of Canadian startups. So I have two questions I always ask, and I'm really intrigued to hear your perspective on them. The first, and you've already shared some gold here, but let's let's focus on one piece of gold. Is can you share one piece of advice to help younger Canadian founders? Yeah, uh, you know, it's it's my answer. Maybe seems uh, kind of easy, but uh, don't do what you love to do for money. Do it really for what you love and for the passion of it, because, you know, it can be a long journey. And if you are there just for a quick flip, it can be uh, not for the good reason. So you will not stick to it. Mm -hmm. So I'll say find really 
what do you want to do in life for your own fun? Because it's a lot of hours. Uh, being an entrepreneur is not like getting a tan and working like 20 hours a week and maybe the other 40. It's, it's, uh, it's uh, around the clock. Mm -hmm. So that around the clock needs to be done with pleasure as most as you can. So, uh, so that will be my, my tip. Oh, that's, that's great advice. Movies lie, kids. Movies lie. You know what they're not showing yeah. you? Oh, yeah. Another 23 hours of nothing but going bald like myself here. You don't have beautiful hair like Harold there, but, you know. Oh, still. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't know how they, they stick there, but uh, yeah. Yeah, because it's so stressful. You're right. And it truly that's is. correct. I was watching movie before starting that, and, and I was, mm -hmm. you know, super foolish about it. I, I thought it was like movie. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was one of the biggest reality check I got because mm -hmm. I saw, you know, that movie uh, with the, the Mark Zuckerberg story, yeah, uh, yeah, the yeah. social network yeah. where, you know, you drink beer, you act, you met Sean Parker, the guy from Napster and yeah. all goes down and boom, you, you are in the billion. Easy but, peasy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's, it's an adventure. So you got to love being part of the adventure, you know, for yeah. good or bad. An adventure is an adventure. Well, oh, yeah. last last question, and this one I'm, I'm I'm extra intrigued by is: Can you share the name of a Canadian entrepreneurial star or founder that you personally look up to? Yeah, right now, and I'm sure he doesn't know I'm looking at too, but uh, John uh, Brun, Jonathan mm -hmm. Lebrun, uh, Brun, mm -hmm. uh, is building uh, a company called Lighthouse, and uh, mm -hmm. they are making the search engine of the Web three. Uh, he was able to raise a couple of million, I think it's 7 million USD uh, out of only a pitch deck, which wow. is kind of rare. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I find it quite nice, you know, uh, here in, in Quebec, there was a search engine called Copernic, mm -hmm. which lets you from one page search on many search engine. Mm -hmm. And uh, they, they, they sold it for uh, a couple of millions. So it's like the history is repeating if they succeed mm -hmm. in doing it. So I'm looking at that uh, startup Avian to see what they will do in their now in this round, which is quite big for a seed round with with mm -hmm. no MVP, you know. Uh, and now they have they have a beta release, so uh, and it's pretty nice uh, the product they are building. Oh, fantastic! Yep. And now on my radar. So thank you very much for sharing. <laughs> well, well, Harold, I had way too much fun today. So uh, you know, thank you, thank you for sharing, and uh, I'll continue watching you the next time I'm in Montreal, which I or Quebec City, which I hope is soon. Yeah, we're definitely going to hang out. Okay. Thanks a lot, and thanks again for the invite. It was so fun. Ahoy, afternoon tea listeners! If you got this far, I assume you like this episode, and that is awesome. Thank you. In such a case, please rate and review Afternoon Tea Podcast and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your feeds from. Afternoon Tea is a podcast with a goal to share the stories of Canada's successful tech entrepreneurs in order to prepare the next wave of founders. We do have some great guests lined up for future episodes, but we would love to hear your thoughts too. Please do let us know who you think should be on the show. You can do so by emailing me at podcast at ttt.studio. That is P-O-D-C-A-S-T at TTT, that is three T's dot studio. You will notice there is no dot com because we are that sophisticated. Furthermore, you can find us at social media at TTT underscore studios. I look forward to chatting with you soon.